I'm sure you have heard the saying, if Satan cannot make you bad, he will make you busy. I used to take it lightly because I thought it was just a cute little joke. After years of observing busy people and personal experience, I discovered that saying is profoundly true. The truth is that busyness can be as bad as bad. Busyness can be a distraction from what matters most and fulfilling our higher calling. In fact, bad people are likelier to hit a wall one day, wake up, repent, and change. But busy people are less likely to wake up because they think they are busy doing important things. So they don't see the need to change. Maybe that's why God hates lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is not bad, not cold, but not good enough or not hot enough. When you ask people, how are you doing? They used to answer, I'm fine. But nowadays, more people like to answer, I'm busy. It makes them sound important and productive. However, busyness is not productivity. In fact, busyness could be an obstacle to real productivity that fulfills our higher calling. We all know a horrible war broke out between Israel and Palestine this week. I think wars are the ultimate example of busyness. What's more important than defending your country? Lao Tzu said, when the world lacks the Tao, war horses give birth on the battlefield. With a simple sentence, the sage describes the horror of war. Imagine pregnant mares are taken to fight the battle and have to give birth on the battlefield. Animals cannot talk, but reasonable people can feel their pain. He pinpointed the cause of war, the lack of the Tao. What is the Tao? The Tao in Chinese means the word or the logos in Greek. So the Chinese translation of the Gospel of John says, In the beginning was the Tao, and the Tao was with God, and the Tao was God. John 1.1 In other words, Lao Tzu was saying that horrible wars break out when people don't have God. Being religious doesn't necessarily mean they have God. Jesus dealt with many religious people who didn't have God. He was eventually crucified by religious leaders. So religious people are not equivalent to godly people. John said later in verse 14, And the Tao became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John 1.14 that means Jesus Christ is the Tao in human form, who reveals God as full of grace and truth. There's no grace in a war, so there's no God in a war. Wars don't resolve the root problem. War is a shortcut that masks the symptoms but doesn't cure the disease. And the diseases, when the world lacks the Tao or God, war horses give birth on the battlefield. What a busy scene in a sentence. If Satan cannot make you bad, he will make you busy. Busyness blinds us from seeing God and makes us resolve to violence and warfare because we think we are important. By busyness, 
I'm also talking about mental busyness. I have ADHD. H is for hyperactivity. While I don't appear hyperactive physically, I'm hyperactive in my mind. My mind is always busy. So this topic is not only for those who are physically busy, but also mentally or emotionally busy. Jesus came to open our eyes to God's grace, teaching us how to relax and be immensely fruitful by fulfilling our higher calling. So today we'll look at the danger of busyness that blinds us from fulfilling the divine calling based on this week's scriptural lesson. Let's begin. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the light keeper. You are the light of the world and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. The scripture lesson for today is from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Listen to the word of the Lord. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they could not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I prepare my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troop, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to them, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew 22, 1-14 Blessed are those who delight in God's word. Thanks be to God. That is the last of the three parables Jesus told at the temple when the religious leaders came to ask him questions to trap him, arrest him, and get him crucified. Jesus was disappointed at their murderous motive, to say the least. Those religious leaders were supposed to represent God, but didn't know God. They were busy defending their power, religion, and country. I covered the first two parables in the previous weeks. You can check it online. Now Jesus told the third parable, comparing the kingdom of heaven to a king's wedding banquet. 
He says the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. Matthew 22, verse 2. The king symbolizes God in this allegory. Then the son is Jesus Christ. It's a wedding of the Prince of Peace. Stretch your imagination and visualize an elaborate wedding banquet. What was the most glamorous wedding banquet you have ever been to? I'm sure we all have seen some fantastic wedding events on TV or movies. Just imagine being invited to the party of a lifetime. Imagine a celebration a hundred times more enchanting, exciting, and exalted than the most expensive carnival cruise. A friend of mine likes to visit the Disney World every year, even after 60 years old. She said Disney World is the only place on earth close to heaven. I'm sure this king's son's wedding is much more mesmerizing than that. Stretch your imagination. I remember years ago, thanks to our daughter Cassie, who won an art and essay competition when she was seven years old. And the award she received included tickets for the entire family to join the maiden cruise of the Freedom of the Sea, the largest cruise ship in the world at the time. All expenses paid. They picked us up with a stretch limo, but they had to park on the roadside because the limo didn't fit our driveway. To make the long story short, it was an experience of a lifetime. We saw Casey's artwork and essay enlarged and hung on the cruise ship permanently. Still, it can compare to the king's wedding banquet Jesus is talking about, especially when you realize that Jesus is talking about the king of kings, the king of the universe. When Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God, he is talking about the experience of a lifetime. Actually, not just a lifetime, but for eternity. Unfortunately, some people don't appreciate it. Jesus said the king sent his slave to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Verse 3. You might wonder if there were such people like that. Yes, there are people like that who don't appreciate the ultimate beauty, excellence, and majesty. I may be one of them. I can be easily pleased. If you give me a book and a backyard, I couldn't care less about the king's banquet. I always tell people that I like to vacation in my backyard. Now this parable reveals that I'm stupid, but the good news is I'm learning. C.S. Lewis famously says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desire not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drinks and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased, C.S. Lewis. It hits me each time I read it. I was one of those children who wanted to go on making mud pies in a slum because I could not imagine what it meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. 
I'm far too easily pleased. Yet I discover that I'm not alone. Luke's version of this parable has a little more details about why they rejected the invitation. It says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've just been married and therefore I cannot come. Luke 14, 18 to 20. To sum up, they were all busy making mud pies. When you are too busy to celebrate and appreciate the king's wedding, you are too busy. Their busyness makes them ignorant of their higher calling. I've encountered many people who have more excuses to miss the church. The church is where the king's wedding banquet takes place because the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. But people are busy fixing their homes, mowing their lawns, and other mud pie-making businesses. When the banquet was ready, the king sent out the second invitation and encountered terrorism. It says, again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I prepare my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. Matthew 22, 4-6. It says they made light of it. Indifference to the invitation is one thing, but killing the messengers was too far. It means busyness breeds ignorance, and ignorance leads to violence. You might ask, how could anyone do that? But history shows that people killed God's messengers and prophets who came to invite people to a higher calling. In the previous parable, the tenants of the vineyard murdered the servants who came to collect the produce, and they eventually even killed the owner's son. But in this parable, the slaves of the king didn't ask for any payments. They were just delivering an invitation to a free party. Still, they encounter murderous reactions. Just like Lao Tzu said, war break out because of godlessness. Then Jesus said the king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Verse 7. In this allegory, the king represents God, and the destruction of those terrorists represents hell. The definition of hell is godlessness. Terrorism is godlessness, even when done in God's name. Taking God's name in vain violates the third commandment. Some people don't believe in hell because they can't imagine a gracious God sending people to hell. But this parable reveals that hell is where those murderers choose to go. It means busyness could lead people to the hell they created themselves. That's serious. Then the king invites anyone from the streets to fill his banquet hall. But there's a little twist at the end of the parable. Jesus said, but when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. 
And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Verse 11 to 14. In some ancient cultures, the greeters at the gate put a stole or a shawl on the guest as they arrive at the banquet of an important person. I visited a Tibetan village years ago in China. I was invited to a dinner party. As soon as I arrived, the host family brought me a bowl of water to wash my hands, and they put a silk stole on me. Some people got a silver stole and others got a gold one. Someone told me those who got a gold one were VIPs and dignitaries. I got a gold one. I didn't know why. I thought maybe it was because I'm an American. Anyway, that experience allowed me to understand this parable. In this case, every guest can get a wedding robe. A robe was more elaborate than a stole since it was a king's wedding. The robe proves you came through the gate, not climbed over the wall or sneaked in through the back door. Jesus said anyone who doesn't enter through the gate is a thief. Jesus also says, I am the gate. That means this thief entered heaven without passing through Jesus. Even though everyone was invited without discrimination, it didn't mean that he could take a shortcut. Putting on the wedding robe symbolizes accepting the invitation and recognizing God's grace through Jesus Christ. The robe also symbolizes baptism because According to the first century Jewish tradition, the host servants would wash the guests' feet as they entered the gate, and then in this case, put a wedding robe on them. Just as I was giving a bowl of water for washing my hand, and they put a stole on me. So wearing the wedding robe also symbolizes they were clean. In other words, they were cleansed from sin through the blood of Christ. So two kinds of people can enter heaven. Those who make light of God's invitation, prioritize their busyness of mud pie making over God's invitation to the higher calling. And those who enter heaven with a dirty body without receiving the washing and roping at the gate. Jesus is the gate. Here we also learn that God's higher calling is full of fun if we know how to appreciate it like joining the king's wedding banquet. Let's not ignore the invitation by getting busy with making mud pies. Let's seek God's kingdom as our top priority and celebrate our higher calling because when we do that, God promises to give us everything we need. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, Keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound freedom, purpose, and happiness. Amen. Bye now.